Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. Welcome back to Podcast by Night. My name's John. I'm Jen. And in this, our third episode, I believe, on Clan Tremere, uh, we are going to be discussing something that actually all of these episodes are important to Clan Tremere. Uh, the last episode, we covered the, like, essentially the hierarchy, correct? The ranking system and all of that, Jen? Yes. And so this time, the next, you know, complementary part to that is going to be sort of the rules of the game the the rank and file we're, we're past that now we're moving on to the code of clan tremere and something called the peripheral code don't worry about that we'll get to it but this <laughs> as as we're going to get to as you're going to see this is very important because this is sort of the underpinning to which the pyramid is built on yeah, sometimes you'll hear John and I, when we're talking about Clan Tremere, we'll talk about Code and Clan and da-da-da-da-da, and it's always about Code and Clan. Well, if you've already figured out that Clan Tremere is very well, for lack of a better term, clanish. It's all about the clan, but the code is the other piece of it, because the code is what binds them together as a clan, as a unit. Um, the code is everything to them it is what defines their culture it is what um is the rules that undergird the playing field that they're all on i mean this is the law that rules all of them if you can consider clan tremere sort of a society this is the law that keeps that society going now what the code itself is on the surface is it's an oath that every member of the clan, uh, it doesn't matter, like upon your embrace, you have to recite this thing. Everybody knows it, uh, maybe not by memory, but it is something that is often thrown around. Like Jen said, you know, it's almost like a rallying cry, code and clan. It is something that is based on or is similar to the, the code of Hermes. Um, there is no magical binding to this code that causes the Tremere to have to follow it. It's sort of a, it is a cultural thing. It's a societal thing. If you want to raise up in rank, then you've got to follow it. And so it's a set of expectations. It is a thing that has been set forth that governs the clan and its actions. And it's enforced by the higher ranking members of the clan. So if you're just a lowly rank one, even a rank two, uh, Tremere would be able to bring the code against you if you break it in some way. And like most laws... The code is open for a great deal of interpretation because it is a code. It's not necessarily like outlines every single little detail that comes up in a night to night life of an average clan member. It's very broad. So there's lots of areas and loopholes, gray areas and loopholes, places that can have a little bit of delicate interpretation. And so both apprentices and regents often are trying to figure out where those areas are and how to maneuver around them. 
And sometimes it can be a little tricky on how any one regent will choose to enforce the code. So an apprentice may assume that they are interpreting the code perfectly correctly and then come to find out that that's not how their regent sees it. And they take a very different view on how that apprentice should have handled that situation. So, but beyond that, in theory, the code is supposed to give structure to the clan in terms of the expectations that they have to live up to as they go about their magical research and working for the betterment of the clan. So, you know, it's it's kind of the things that you always keep in the back of your mind as you're doing anything. But in practice, it's usually more of a means by which the more powerful members of Clan Tremere can keep the less powerful members of Clan Tremere in line. So if you want to quell rebellion in the ranks, for example, then the code is a great way to come down on those who might be uh, trying to step up to you in your power. And as a player note, I know we've mentioned it before about how tight-knit and how close the clan is is as far as common goals and anything that furthers or strengthens the clan as a whole. So as a player, just keep in mind, don't be afraid to ask the regent or, uh, well, okay, I would say if you have access to the regent, ask the regent how they interpret it. Because if you ask another higher ranking um, member of the clan, another apprentice, they might give you their interpretation and their interpretation could be wrong. Or it could yeah. be right. So just don't be afraid to ask. It's all about the clan, strengthening the clan. Exactly. And as always, if you have a, a deeper question than that, always ask a storyteller. So the code, like I said, is recited at the embrace of most Tremere. I would say if you're definitely a Camarilla Tremere, this is definitely something that you cannot get out of reciting. There are certain variants depending on translation. There could be some cultural differences. This also plays into that interpretive aspect of it. And Jen has so very kindly created a, a bullet points of highlights. So these are things that um, I, I would say in our experience, Jen, these are some of the things that came up more often or most often yeah. in the game. Yeah, these are, the, these are bullet points of things that you'll knock on probably the most it's more like just um i i try to like summarize a lot of it if you want to actually read the code of clan tremere it's actually it's not hard you can do a google search and find it online pretty easily it's very highfalutin language but uh yeah this is just really just some of the high points of things that you from night to night as a tremere are going to run to into the most and some of these include the everlasting loyalty to House and Clan Tremere and all of its members with a pledge for shared lives, goals, and achievements. So this goes back to supporting your other, you know, apprentices, same rank, lower rank, higher rank. If they've got a problem, if they've got some magical knowledge that they're looking into, or say that you've got a common enemy, you're there. Bam. Undying it's loyalty. It's code and clan. It's clan first and clan always. They come before pretty much anyone else. And this next bit goes right into that about a pledge to obey those of house and clan Tremere who outrank you and to show respect and care to the inferiors that earn it for themselves. Now, this is a nice little thing I like to say, oh, this is about as warm and fuzzy as they get because it's you show deference and respect to your superiors, but you also help out the, your inferiors. 
because again, it all goes back to strengthening the clan. I know we mentioned in, I think, our first episode that these guys are like the undead preppers, and this is why they're so strong, is that they are the walls of Sparta. These guys support, like, to their undying breath. You can pick on my little brother and I'll kick your ass, but I'll pick pick on my little brother all I want. So it's it's sort of that kind of mentality. But definitely the Tremere place a lot of weight on rank. And not just the rank of those above them, but the rank on those below them. So if you're an apprentice of the third, you're going to be accorded more respect than an apprentice of the first. But if you're a pontifex, it is yes, my lord pontifex, no, my lord pontifex, whatever you say, my lord pontifex, my lord pontifexes will be done. You learn that phrase very quickly. (laughs) They will not let you forget it. Show your respect. Exactly. So not only should you always work in, uh, with the idea of the unity of the clan in mind and always respect rank, but uh, the Tremere are very big on not depriving uh, each other of their magical powers. So uh, d- you can't deprive a fellow mag- magus of their ability to do magic. That's a big no-no in the clan, um, primarily because that can be seen as weakening the whole if you deprive one of their ability to do the magic that is inherent to them as a Tremere. And also, alongside that, you're not allowed to just slay a member of house and clan, except in self-defense or if they've been ruled an outlaw by a tribunal. So you can't just get mad at someone and say, fuck that guy, I'm going to kill him. That's a no-no. That's not to say that one cannot politically machinate to have that person removed in some way, but you can't just outright just kill people. And part of that is, again, it's this whole idea of clan unity, of the whole mattering more than the individual, um, and it helps keep this sense of a society going because in society you can't just be killing people at random on the streets in theory because then that undermines this idea of a society and again the Tremere about the unit more than the singular and to go with that one the next is to bend all efforts to find those who are outlaw and bring them to justice this is also about um, housekeeping you are to you know drop what you're doing oh somebody's been ruled outlaw let's go get them Clan Tremere keeps, they keep a tight rein on all internal affairs. So if um, someone has been breaking the code, then they they have to be brought to justice because they are going against the whole. They're acting as the individual. Again, this is all a no-no with Clan Tremere. But to go along with that, and not only must you bend all efforts to go and find an outlaw magus and bring them to justice. But the way to bring anyone to justice is through a constituted tribunal. And where a, a tribunal is uh, the, the, basically the premier legal system. And the only way that you can um, really bring anyone to justice on any level is through going through this entire procedure. So once you've done that, you have to abide by the decisions of the tribunal you know, once you've gone through all the legal processes, once this it's all final, you have to abide by it. You do not get to go, but wait, 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 wait. No, you have to abide all decisions. And you also have to abide all the decisions of the inner council. The inner council being the 
the senior most leadership of the clan. So basically, if you have to abide everything that the the judicial branch says, you have to do everything that the executive branch says, and you also have to to abide by the wishes of your superiors. So your regent, your lord, your pontifex, every. There's all these levels of bureaucracy in Clan Tremere, and as a Tremere, you're expected to obey all of them. But not to be without a sense of fairness, you also have the right to appeal a decision of a tribunal to a higher one if they decide to hear your case, which basically means, hey, I don't like what you guys said. I'm going to take a rank higher and, you know, plead my case up there. And if the if the higher rank listens to you, great. But if not, then that's that's it. You don't get any more appeals, and you have to abide by that decision. And then you cannot endanger Hauser Clan Tremere with your actions. This is also very important to understand. Those actions could include don't interfere with mundanes. That essentially means don't run around with the mortals and, you know, run amok. Yeah. Either magically or otherwise. It's like not only, you know, with the Camarilla, you already have the masquerade. This is kind of on top of that. So they want to double down to make sure you're not going to bring attention to the house and clan. And also, <laughs> I love this one. I know Jen does too. When dealing with demons, don't bring danger to the clan. Yeah, if you notice, they don't say don't deal with demons. They say when dealing with demons, don't bring danger to the clan. The fact of the matter is, Clan Tremere knows darn well everyone's going to be dealing with demons at some point. It's just the way of the game. So... Demons are an entity that can be dealt with to a certain extent. Um, it's very complicated. So, yeah, they just say when you deal with them, just just don't danger the clan, okay? All right? Just, just, don't, just don't invite them in the chantry. Don't let them come in for tea. Don't, like, sell your fellow clan mates' souls to a demon. Just... Not that that's ever happened in any game I've ever been in, but just, I was going to say, wait, no, isn't there some? That's not a hazing thing, you know. No. We don't go sell the acolyte souls. No, no. Just oh. Be responsible. Be responsible when you're dealing with a demon. Just think, just think, and just like you would going out and having alcohol, or you know, maybe like using some recreational stuff. <laughs> just. Be responsible when you're dealing with your demons. Please summon responsibly. And also, uh, demons, I think, also is kind of vague because this being the world of darkness, yes, there are actual demons, but there could also be malevolent nature spirits or anything from the dark umbra. They, I think they made it, you know, when dealing with demons in, in the uh, general to sort of cover all of the those bases. Kind of, but really they just mean demons. Demons, demons? Demons, demons. Yeah. Oh, they, well. Because many Tremere know the difference between, like, an elemental spirit and a demon. And there's a big difference. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really just demons, demons. I don't know. those Some of those shamas, they're nature spirits. That kind of... That that's bending that uh, description a bit. Mm, I would disagree, but that's just me. <laughs> well, you are the scholar. <laughs> and then on top of that, don't mess with the Fey, which is huge. Yes, 
Um, you're probably thinking, wait, don't mess with the fae. Yeah, they're changelings, yo. They're a fairy, they're fairy creatures. Um, this You may think, oh, this is just a holdover from the medieval times when they were still like mages. No, there are still fae out there in the world. Tremere know they exist. Most other vampires will not know that changelings exist. But the Tremere know they exist. And they're like, don't mess with that shit, man. They will fuck your shit up. It's true. Faye will fuck your shit up, so don't mess with them. Missing time, you know, all kinds of, you know, they can just slap a glamour whammy on you and, man, you don't know which way is up. You'll lose your memory. You won't remember them. You'll just see everything's in chaos. The whole world's upside down. And you're like, the fuck? What the fuck just happened? And and Tremere are going to be over there like, I told you not to fuck with the Faye. Gah! And also, well, I mean, this kind of goes without saying, but all clan, all members of House and Clan Tremere are meant to uphold the values, goals, and the masquerade of the Camarilla. Don't let your goals interfere with the masquerade. Yeah, the masquerade is paramount. I mean, the Tremere at their heart are still members of the Camarilla. They may not, it, it may be a relationship of convenience, let's be honest, but they're part of the Camarilla for a reason, and that's because the Camarilla affords them a certain sense of protection, just like it affords every other clan who's a member of the Camarilla. And that protection is hinged on this idea of the masquerade. So the Tremere are just as fanatic about the masquerade as any other clan would be, Perhaps even more so because they deal with magic and magic's inherently masquerade breaking. So, yeah, definitely uh, any individual magus cannot let their own personal goals, whether they be like the study of magic or doing something for the court and the prince, you can't let those goals interfere with the law of the masquerade. So, for example, if you're a Tremere, you can't just be standing in the middle of the town square shooting firebolts out of your fingertips because people are going to be like, oh my god, did you see them doing the thing? It, it just, it freaks the mortals out. So don't break the masquerade, yo. I think we talked about this before in one of the, our very first episodes, but you know, the masquerade being what it is, and the time, day and times that we live in, everybody's got a camera phone. So yeah, be mindful. Be mindful. And you know what? You can be a clever Tremere who can go, oh, wave my hands. It's special effects. Look, I can just, I have like a special device on my hand that allows me to look like I'm shooting fireballs out of my fingertips. Sure. But in the moment, like someone's like got a camera phone. Are they going to know that that's your excuse? No. Oh, my God, Jen. I just had this great idea. It's a Tremere Coterie that are called the like Media Relations Division. <laughs> I somehow feel some old, old Magus from, like, the year 1000 in Vienna is like, excuse me, what? <laughs> right. It's the people that run around, like, say the Tremere, Tremere got to go get the artifact. Well, they follow the behind them shooting video the whole thing. So if anybody else ever puts out the video for it, you can say, oh, we were just doing this short film. Here's the behind the scenes. Uh, and I believe that those groups probably exist in most major cities. But yeah, I mean, again, you have to think of these things because magic of any sort in the world is like the well i wouldn't say magic of any sort but magic of a certain kind like the high fantasy magic is very unbelievable for human beings unless you are able to explain it under certain parameters 
So again, as a Tremere, you have to be very careful in how you employ it, else you're breaching the masquerade. So in um, light of some of the other uh, aspects of the code we talked about, again, everything about the code is, is building upon this idea of unity, unity of the whole and not of the individual. One of the main ones, and this is a biggie if you are a new player to Tremere, um, and I know I got dinged on this as a new player to Tremere, that is you cannot scry on your fellow Tremere members. What do I mean by scry? You cannot use means to spy on your fellow members of house and clan. So there are certain, um, there are certain rituals that Tremere learn that they can use to scry on other vampires. Um, there are even the ability of abilities of aspects to like listen in or obfuscate to go hide yourself in a room. Um, you cannot use those against your fellow clan members and get caught. <laughs> Notice I say and get caught. It's not that it doesn't happen. It's you don't admit that you did it because it's a breach of the code because every, again, this is, it could be almost seen as, as working against the clan as a whole. It could be seen as perhaps maybe trying to prevent a fellow Omegas from doing their magic. It could be seen as interfering. You don't know what that, that Tremere is up to. Maybe you think it's suspicious, but they could be working on the orders of a Pontifex and a super secret, you know, project that now you've interrupted because you were like i'm spying on you and look they're really having these secret relations with somebody and some pontifex is like yeah duh that was like a five-year mission i be we've been plotting out for years to try and get information out of the sabat you dumbass again the tremere are all about the whole and not the individual so don't spy on your fellow members and get caught and if you do get caught you lie like a bitch because you will get dinged for this. They do not like other people spying on them. And also, you as an individual Tremere, you take this code very, very seriously. You only train people who've sworn this code. So if you're a master and someone comes and approaches you and says, I want to learn, I want you to teach me how to do the magics. I want to learn the magics. You cannot teach them unless they swear the code. If they disobey the code at any point in time, like, say, scrying on their fellow Tremere, then you're supposed to strike them down or at least turn them in. That's how serious they take this code because, again, this is the whole structure that holds their little society together. If, say, for an example, if an elder wants to borrow your apprentice and have them work on a project for them or they want to train them personally then you have to give them up because everything in the code says they have every right to do that. Again, it's this idea of we're working as a united team and that's like I as individual great Tremere X am, uh, I am raising myself up in the clan. That's, that's not how they operate. And every Tremere is also expected to share their knowledge with house and clan. There are no secrets regarding knowledge and magic within house and clan Tremere. Although outside of it, it can get gray and murky. But if it's something to do with like, ooh, I just uncovered this dusty tome in the back of the library. Well, you got to tell somebody. 
You don't keep secrets in House and Clan, but you can keep secrets from those fucking Toreadors all you want, or them Ventrue. Yeah, to hell with those Ventrue. Don't tell the Toreadors nothing unless you expect it to get all over court, is what I'm saying. Or do you? That's the first uh, key to misinformation. If you That's want right. to get, if you want it to get out in court, you go tell Toriador. Also, Tremere are expected to recognize that if they have broken the oath, then you can be cast out of house and clan and are to be hunted. Yes, that like we keep hammering home the idea of the code of clan Tremere is the underpinning of this entire group. So if you break it. Then uh, bitches get stitches. They're 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 out. I brought this all up. I actually put a small part of the code into our our notes, and just to kind of give you an idea of really how seriously the that clan Tremere takes this entire thing. And it's the final aspect of the code. It's the final paragraph. It says, I recognize that the enemies of the house and clan are my enemies, that the friends of the house and clan are my friends, and that the allies of the house and clan are my allies. Let us work as one and grow hale and strong. So yeah, I mean, that is at the heart and soul of the code. It is... Together we are united. My enemy is your enemy. My friend is your friend. My ally is your ally. We are a unit. We are one. Uh, and that's at the heart of what it means to be Clan Tremere. Now, is, does that mean that that's how every Tremere lives? Every every night? Every second of every night for 365 days a year for however many centuries they live? Let's be honest. No. <laughs> This is the ideal. This is the ideal of how the Tremere wants you to live. This is not the reality of how the Tremere live. But it's this ideal that's the thing that binds them all together, even though they all very well know this is not how it actually works. I mean, some people might argue these are a little bit more like guidelines, but like like we're trying to hammer home is if you are in a chantry... Or even if, you know, there's a visiting lord or the Pontifex is very active in your area. Remember that if you break any of these or go against any of these, it could be death. It may not be death, but (laughs) chances are pretty high. And this is the thing that if you have an enemy in the clan and they want to, like, really stick it to you, they're going to find ways that you maybe could have possibly broken one of the aspects of the code if you squint and turn your head sideways if they can make a really good argument you have to be able to make a good argument against why against their arguments and defend why what you did was in support of the code and not breaking the code and of course you could turn around and do the same thing to someone else so that door swings both ways so alongside the code of clan Tremere, there is a whole body of work known as the peripheral code. And now I'm going to put a little parentheses here. Sometimes you'll hear me slip and say peripheral code. And that's because we have a dear friend who um, sometimes, because of other things, has some interesting pronunciations to words. And so you hear it so often that it just slips into your own language and even though I'm staring at the word knowing that it's peripheral, my brain goes peripheral because I've heard it so much. So I want to put that in the brackets because then you were like, why is Jen saying it this weird way? 
<laughs> it's habit is what it is. It's, I have learned it by osmosis. But yes, alongside the code of clan Tremere is the peripheral code. Because the code of clan Tremere is sort of this overarching code, um, like I said, there's a lot of loopholes, a lot of gray areas. So the peripheral code, um, or the peripheral code, see, I just did it. It is basically all the writings and adjudications based on the code of Clan Tremere. So all the loopholes and all the exceptions and all of, basically it is the, um, all the jurisprudence that's been done on the code of Clan Tremere. So for those of you who are lawyers and really kind of get into like how previous courts have ruled on particular laws, or if you're a part of a, uh, a religious group who's really into like as different aspects of religious law, this is the side of Clan Tremere that is for you because it that, that's basically what the peripheral code is. It's it's all of the it's just all of the different situations that have arisen over the years and how different regents or different tribunals have handled it. Here's the thing. The peripheral code does not exist physically in either the game books. I'm sure it exists in the game world. But in the game books, it doesn't exist. So, you know, you can play with it however you want. If you're a storyteller and you're like, hmm, I, I have a player who's coming to me about a situation that has come up in game and they want to know what would the peripheral code say about this situation, make it up. Make up three or four different regents' rulings on a situation on how you think that they might have approached it depending on on different experiences. The world's your oyster on it. Go have fun with it. But the whole idea of this peripheral code is to get the idea that there is uh, different ways that Tremere tried to work the system. Often they try to work it to their advantage. So, you know, if there's a loophole for you to get away with a situation that a more strict regent might say that's against the code, you could whip out that peripheral code and say, well, you know, regent so-and-so 200 years ago had a similar situation and here's where they landed on it. It's a way for the Tremere to kind of work their way around the letter of the law and more into the spirit of the law deep into the spirit of the law sometimes sometimes that spirit's just barely hanging on there ah uh, yeah i was gonna say that this is definitely smacks of uh way back when when lawyers first came about and they said hey so i know an argument that can get you out of this buddy what are you gonna pay me it's like suddenly you know bam tremere precedent bam mm -hmm. professional undead lawyers i mean it's just but, but like Jen said, this this could be a lot of fun to just kind of play around with in any game that you, something happens and you just kind of want to throw in a little a little side action, maybe Tremere SVU. I don't know. That's that's the other reason why I love this clan is that there's just so much you could do with it in kind of, well, no pun intended, but in-house. And we, I will admit, like, some of the players that I know love playing Tremere are people who have kind of more of that, like, logical legal kind of mind we've had a we've had a lawyer playing in the clan we've had several rabbis uh, uh i myself have a, a religious studies background and i love this clan so yeah it's if you kind of have a bend in your brain that really loves like going well but what if this is the situation then this, this is a perfect 
something something for you to go play. It's a little a nice little rabbit hole for you to go wander down. And because the code itself is merely an oath, very few Tremere follow it to the letter. I know Jen mentioned that it's not something that everybody you know, memorizes and they try to like, like, like she said, this is like an ideal. But if you are a seriously smart Tremere, you figure out how to game the system to your advantage. And that, that all kind of goes with what clan advancement is about because they want the smartest and the best at the higher ranks. Yes, that the higher you get in Clan Tremere, it's the more chance uh, you have to kind of figure out how to game the system. Those who have high rank in Clan Tremere often are people who game the system. There's a lot to be said for that Tremere that manages how to find out a way around the rules and not get caught. And especially if getting caught would mean final death, then, you know, you, you keep that in the back of your mind. And, you know, I mean, hell, there are, some, there are thrill seekers that do what they do because that edge of death is always, you know, present. Now, I know we mentioned before about laws and adjudications and tribunals. So when it comes to the laws of House and Clan Tremere, if they are broken, there is a formal means of addressing that situation for small infractions, especially small ones. You could just have the rule of an elder and that would be sufficient. You know, like, hey, regent, so-and-so, you know, pissed in my potion. And he's like, are you kidding me? All right, well, here, do this, do this, and, you know, say five are Merlins and, you know, hail Trimagistician, off you go. I didn't know that was the thing, but okay. <laughs> it is now. Oh, you're a vampire. I didn't know you had pissed, but okay. Why is anyone pissing in anyone's potion? What? They got one of the ghouls to do it. I don't know. Uh, I'm like, I'm seriously missing the thread of that analogy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, they got a ghoul to do it. Okay. So yes, if you get a ghoul to piss in your rival's potion and kind of ruin the whole thing, then, you know, you get a regent, they can go quit having the ghouls piss in your rival's potion. God damn it. I could just imagine my, my regent having that come on her plate and being like, really? Why? Why? Oh God. Oh God. Please somebody say that they, they're going to do that in oh, their no. game. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. oh, you're a horrible <laughs> man. I am. I really am. But for larger infractions, uh, especially crimes that are egregious or they their punishment could have uh, be a potential exile or mean their final death, that's what a tribunal is for. A tribunal is called to sort of mete out the judgment or the decision, and to properly constitute a tribunal, you need to find three ranking members that are at least one rank higher than the accused. Yes, so if you're an apprentice, your tribunal should be made up of regents, at least. If you're a regent, your tribunal should be lords, etc., etc., etc. When a hearing is held... The accused is allowed to make their case to the tribunal. So it's not like the tribunal comes and says, you know, apprentice long, your crimes are this and your punishment is that. You get to have a defense and explain what it is you were doing and why you were doing it. And then the tribunal will then decide on the fate of the accused and if the accused does not like the outcome of that decision, um, according to the code, you can appeal that decision to a higher tribunal. And then this tribunal is often made of the next rate. So if you are in a, a regular apprentice, say the tribunal that decided you had to die was made up of regents, you can then appeal that to the next level, which is lords. 
Um, they can then decide to overturn the previous decision or they can stay the former tribunal's ruling. But once a tribunal's word is made, once it's upheld by a higher tribunal, then it's final. And uh, that's it. That's all she wrote. And sometimes when certain disputes between two mages can't be worked out by just, you know, hey, you know, rank four guy, this rank three guy, you know, messed up my scroll. It was like, well, I don't like that guy. He pissed in my potion, man. I don't know. He got a ghoul to do it. (laughs) They can they can have a wizard's duel to determine who's right. It could be a dispute, it could be an argument, it could be whatever it is. The ritual of combat, their ritual duel, is called a kertaman. And this is something that it it is what you think. It's like a Harry Potter wizard's duel. It's exactly what you think it is. It's exactly what you think. And this is kind of the... it, it, It is exactly for the purposes of doing what duels do. You know, that guy bit his thumb at me. Well, let's have it out. Okay, well, I win, so I'm in the right. So I get to do the Ted Duel Commandments from Hamilton. That is my big question. Is that a part of the ritual? It could be. I want it to be part of the ritual. <laughs> okay, fine. If I get my pissing ghouls, you get your Hamilton. <laughs> so, yeah, the this actually has its roots in the old order of Hermes. This is how, back in the day, they used to handle minor arguments. Or even, it doesn't have to be a, an argument. It could just be like a bet. Like two people who are like, you know, if uh, if I win this bet, then you give me that thing. But if I lose this bet, then we have to do a kertimon, you know, it, what have you. It's it's just a ritual way of handling disagreements. So the Tremere have recreated the old kertimon that used to be done in, by the Order of Hermes. And they have now tied it to their own blood magic so that uh, two Maguses can duel using their best magics. And just like any duel, if you have watched Hamilton, you know this. (laughs) Like any duel, it's full of rituals and it has rules. And uh, a Karatimon often is never taken lightly because it is partly a ritual, like a magic ritual. So you can't take it lightly. (laughs) It breaks the ritual. But even at even though that it's part there, it's very ritualistic. It does, it can be done for some pretty relatively low stakes. Like, I want your room. I'll care tame on you for, for your room in the chantry. Theoretically, you could do it. Would I do it? It'd be dumb. It's a dumb dumb reason to have a care tame on. But in theory, yes, you could. So a care tame on can never ever ever overturn the will of a, tri- a tribunal. That should be absolutely clear. And you can never do a keratimon in place of a tribunal. If it's a bad enough uh, infraction to the code, keratimon is not going to save you. Uh, and this is in part because there's some Tremere who are amazingly good at, at, at keratimon. They are great duelists. So they are like, hey, if you let me do a keratimon, will that, say, will that fix the situation? No. No, you still have to go before a tribunal. Again, Kertemon is usually from for much lower stakes than uh, something that would be brought before a tribunal. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, Tremere are at their hearts mages. They pursue esoteric knowledge. They're into the magical ooky spookiness of the world of darkness. They're into all kinds of things that are considered occult. 
And because of that, they tend to develop individual or specific areas of interest or specializations. And when, with all that hyper-focus running around, it's no wonder that there are groups that are formed within the clan, house and clan itself. They have their own secret societies within the clan Tremere. Ooh, so secret. Oh, so secret. <laughs> and most of these can be based around a common interest, and others are based around group interests. So say that the devil's Bible, you got one group that's so geeking out on this thing, they will form and like meet in secret, like the Dead Poet Society, to go over and try to uncover the secrets of the devil's Bible. I want to know who the Dan Brown group is. Like, Oh, my God. Do, is there the Dan Brown group in Clan Tremere who are like, oh, my God, I think we have found out the true secrets of uh of the christian church the ones that they're hiding the ones that about the angels and the demons and the secret bloodline of jesus christ i know there is something here i'm sure they exist in clan Tremere. you know oh they've got to be i mean i mean we'll get to the houses next but you know they got symbolists they've got relic hunters you know that one guy on the history channel who's like always talking about the ancient aliens definitely there's an ancient aliens group in clan Tremere. Well, if there isn't, there is now. <laughs> You're welcome. That's right, everybody. This this pod, this episode is going to be full of ideas for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so there are there are some recognized groups that are members of that are seen as secret societies in the clan. They're not talked about, but these are like some of the major ones. Um, there are too many secret societies. Pretty much anyone could create a secret society in Clan Tremere. I could have a secret society about like my love of Hamilton and Clan Tremere, and I'm sure it's a thing. This list is really just some of the, the big ones that you'll run across most frequently if you go down the secret society path with Clan Tremere. Again, the this, secret societies are like Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight Club, right? Secret societies, you don't talk about them, but everyone kind of knows they exist. So, like, the first one uh, that many Tremere will probably run across is Asters. And these this is a, a society that hunts down clan traitors so anyone who is uh, who has betrayed the code and who's gotten away or anyone who is an infiltrator into clan tremere and has attempted to learn their secrets and there are many people who try to infiltrate clan tremere any of these people are, are considered their lives are considered forfeit and the asters will go and find them and the next is the elite these are the group of Tremere who believe that they are the next stage of vampiric evolution. Now, Jen, can you elaborate on that? Because whenever I hear of vampiric evolution, all I think of are Shamaze. <laughs> well, remember, the Tremere are technically a bloodline of the of the Shamaze. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. So the elite believe that because the Tremere are were basically mages who made themselves vampires it wasn't like oopsie daisy a vampire tripped and fell on me and now i'm a vampire too it's the fact that they chose to be vampires and made themselves to be vampires out of their sheer magical will that the elite then see themselves as the next step step of the vampire's evolution so with that in mind they they think of themselves as a continually evolving vampirism forward and there's like different ways of thinking in the elite but it's actually kind of interesting also weirdly eugenic but 
it can be interesting and lead to some interesting plot lines. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's interesting that you put out the eugenics thing because I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, you could like really have almost an entire chantry devoted to some really hinky embrace rituals. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not... I'm just going to say it. There were many Tremere who were in Austria and Germany during World War II and, um, you know, might and were, were doing some super secret experiments on the down low while the humans were causing their own havoc. Uh, I want to be very clear here. White Wolf has openly stated it's not like they're saying vampires caused the horrors of World War II. Humans are perfectly capable of causing their own horrors without vampires causing it. But, you know, there were vampires around then. And so, you know, the elite were among some of them who, you know, saw the chaos as a way to take advantage. Yeah, I would say, you know, there would be some kindred that would disagree, but so go the kind, so go the kindred. Yeah. Another group among the secret societies are the Guardians of the Traditions. This is a group that's particularly opposed to any change in the traditions of house and clan. They do not like uh, technology. They're very anti-tech. They're the Luddites of Clan Tremere. Often these are vampires who are many centuries old and who are like, well, we did it this way back in my day. We didn't need no smartphones and wireless internet to be able to send a message to Vienna from halfway across the world. I've got a ritual that can do that. Why in the world are we wasting our time with these things? Grump, 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 grump. Those are the guardians of technology. And yes, there's a whole group in, within Clan Tremere who are the antithesis of that too. So that's always fun. In addition to the guardians of the traditions, you also have the Quasatori, who are kind of like the independent judges and lawyers of the clan, as you kind of guessed from our whole section about the code. Clan Tremere is very heavy on clan law. So uh, they have an entire secret society that deals with the uh, with aspects of clan law. And the Quasatori within Clan Tremere are sort of the leftover, a remnant of their time in the Order of Hermes, because the Order of Hermes also has a house Quasatori underneath their auspices that does fairly the same thing. So this is sort of the Tremere holdover from that time period of, you know, people who are really just getting down and dirty with Tremere clan law. But the these are just a few of the houses. There are lots of different kinds of houses. You can make up your own houses. The storytellers are free to create their own. So have fun with it. You can create whatever secret society you want. If you want to have a secret society that is all about dueling, sure. Why not? If you want to have a Dan Brown secret society, more power to you. Have fun. <laughs> you go do that bad thing. If you want a secret society that is all about aliens and how aliens came to Earth and left all their secret technology, their sweet, sweet, sweet secret technology for us to somehow mysteriously stumble on and use and you know change reality sure why not go the world is your oyster the idea of the secret society is that they are it, it, it is this hyper specific weird off the wall sort of esoteric knowledge that the Tremere totally nerd out on I would love to see it because you know because the the a lot of clans especially if you're older or an elder 
you sort of have heard the stories of the origins of the clans. So if you did have a group of like neonate rank one secret society ancient alien Tremere and they were sort of they kept it on the DL that they're 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 a secret society, but say that the entire court knows what they're into, what they geek out on. I would love to have some setites just fuck with them. Infinity stones. Oh, dude, they'd be like, hold on, guys. I got some ancient secrets. You know, I'm from Egypt, right? There's this thing called the Infinity Stones. Boom. That'd be great. You need to go find them. (laughs) Go right now. I heard there's one in the city. Oh, man. So on top of the secret societies, the Tremere also have houses, much like um, House Tremere or the um, right House Tremere. No, I'm trying to the Order of Hermes, much like the Order of Hermes itself, from which the, the House Tremere was a member of House Tremere itself has, quote unquote, houses that act as specific like specialization schools of magic different things that they focus on like uh, we we were discussing about the fire from the you know from the fingertips thing that's called like path of lure of flame we'll get into that that maybe there's an entire house that's just you know house inflammare i don't know or like you can have an entire house that all they do is they study how you, one can use technology along with thaumaturgy to and uh, to enhance it there that exists it does. And like I mentioned before about the, the there is the house Trimagistus, which is all about symbolism. I will I will find a link to all these different things and I'll put it in the show notes just so everybody can have points of reference. Because it's ancient aliens, John. That's because, what the symbols mean. That's right. Ancient aliens. The aliens are speaking to us. They've handed down the symbols for anyone who knows how to read them. Yes. Oh, so, my God. The long and the short is, is that if you want to come up with a house for your Tremere to be all like, we are going to have a coterie and we're all from the same house and this is the thing that we've been studying, run it by your storyteller and if you see if the storyteller can work with it and, you know, or if you are a storyteller, make up something, have fun with it. I mean, the idea of this is that, None of this is written in stone. There there are a few examples given in the book, but add your own flavor. Go do you. This is your chance to play vampire Harry Potter. Go have fun with it. But on top of all that, the clan Tremere tends to be a clan that is run a lot like a military. So there is order. There are meetings. Uh, there are a lot of meetings. The Tremere so love their meetings. meetings. So many meetings. Right. And because that's kind of how you maintain order. I mean, a region is responsible for the regular convocation of the Chantry. That's setting up meetings. Uh, they could do it as much as once a week, once a month. Uh, rarely it's less than that because the meetings are kind of where if a region's doing their own thing, which, you know, if you're trying to get higher in rank, you should be. Um, this is where they kind of get the pulse of the Chantry. They figure out who's into what, what's going on. They, they even share news with, hey, you know, I heard this rumor from the Lord. It's kind of how they keep everyone together, keep everything organized. And they can also use it as a kind of a way to find trouble spots like, oh, that apprentice over there is causing trouble. I got to keep my eye on him. Meetings. For example, uh, in the LARP that we were in, we couldn't, it, like in real time, have a, a meeting every week. But before every game session, we had a meeting. The Tremere always had a meeting because we always had to get together and talk about, like, what have you been doing? What's your information? What's the new thing you learned? By the way, this is the thing I heard from on high. And, 
you know, and, and we get that information together before we as a group would walk into game because uh, that that's just the way the Tremere operates. It's basically their habit. Yeah, the Tremere are big on meetings. If you're someone who is in a corporate field and has to have a lot of meetings, you're going to be really used to this. <laughs> they love having meetings. And what's more is that the entirety of the clan, all of Clan Tremere, every year at, at the end of October, they have what is called the Grand Convocation. So for two days, all the Tremere all over the world are linked through their mutual bonds as Tremere. Remember, every Tremere is in, is bonded together. And through this mystical bond, you can, by employing this particular ritual that the Inner Council uses, every Tremere can now kind of talk to one another. And so this is often a good way for Tremere who are in other councilorships or in other jurisdictions uh, anywhere on the globe. It's a chance for them to meet and to discuss, it allows secret societies and houses to get together and have you know, discussions and say, hey, I was just reading this thing up on uh, ancient aliens. And guess what I found out? <laughs> so it's kind of a communal time for the Tremere as a whole. And the reason it's two days is because, well, time difference. Because not every Tremere is ever going to be up at the same time as all the other Tremere. So if you spread it out over two days, you have a higher chance of hitting up all the people that you, you want in that time span. So it's uh, usually held at the end of October every year. And uh, again, it's just a, a way to add to the sense of clan unity. Because they're big on that. Hail and strong. <laughs> if you hadn't guessed yet from all these episodes, they're kind of big on that clan unity thing. <laughs> big on the clan unity. But how does one get to be part of this clan? Well, getting embraced into Clan Tremere is not a simple matter. Unlike, say, you know joey bruja that says yo prince i want to embrace this guy he's a good fighter it's not that simple because mm -mm. it's it's not just about going to the prince and asking permission to embrace which you should do because that's part of the masquerade it's part of the laws of the camarilla uh you also have to run it by your regent because clan Tremere, you need a good reason because you can't just be like, hey, that goth kid over there has read my tarot cards and he got it right. It's got to be something that's going to strengthen the clan. Yeah, they don't take just anybody in Clan Tremere. In fact, honestly, I would ask your regent before I'd ask permission of the prince first. Because if the right. regent's like, eh-eh, no, then it's not even worth your time asking the prince. So I would clarify it with the regent and say, hey, do you believe this person is a good candidate for house and clan? And if the regent agrees, then that's when you go and approach the prince. But you don't embrace them until all the formalities have been followed. Or just don't let the prince find out. <laughs> right, right. That's true. Because you never know. Like we said before, every prince doesn't know the exact amount of Tremere in their city. Yeah. But if you were lucky enough to have permission granted, the new embracee isn't simply bitten and brought across like all the other clans either. They're brought before the Chantry and they're they're sort of interrogated. They have to be asked, why is, does this person deserve to be embraced? What are their merits that they'll be passing along to the clan? Are they fit, essentially, to join the clan and there are rights involved of course because they're tremere and if the if they agree everybody says yes you know let's embrace them then they're not they're also again not simply drained of their blood and and off you go the ritual that is performed 
involves does involve the draining of blood by by whatever means it could be sacrificial blade it could be use of thaumaturgy in some way the blood is drawn out per normal and then the blood of the person that wanted to sire them is put into a cup but it's not alone there's also Mm -hmm. the blood of the council in the cup Mm -hmm. the main thing about this is that the cup is the key piece of any Tremere embracement. Because this is not just about making them a vampire. It's also making them a full member of House and Clan Tremere. So the cup, by having not just the sire's blood, but the council's blood in there as well, you are now bonding that new Tremere to the entirety of the clan, not just to the sire. And it's not just a simple bond either. There is some, or a simple blood bond, I should say. There, It is a bond, but it's not a simple blood bond. There is some mystical ooky spookiness that is part of the ritual of embracing that I think, Jen, you mentioned that that's part of how the Great Convocation even works. Mm-hmm. Is that there is magic binding them through the blood to each other. Because you're now bound to the clan, basically, if you remember way, 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 way back at the beginning... <laughs> We discussed how a blood bond works. So for vampires in general, a blood bond is when a vampire drinks the blood of a vampire over three separate nights. So like the first drink on first night means like, hey, you're kind of cool. I like you. Second drink means, wow, I kind of, I really dig you, man. You and me, we we's tight. Third bond is, I love you so much. I would die for you. What would you have me do? You know, what would you have me do, Master? That's that. That's a third stage bond. So what the Tremere have done is they have created basically a one-step bond between all the Tremere and the Inner Council so that they're all one step bound to each other. We are together. We're united. We work for our mutual interests. It helps make them a unit. But in doing so, this makes the Tremere... Because they've used magic to somehow meddle with this mystical bond that vampires can already naturally do. This makes Tremere particularly prone to blood bonding by any vampire. So where it would take a a Ventru or a Toreador three different drinks on three different nights to be bound to somebody, it only takes the Tremere two. And that's under the V20 system. Yeah, it's... Different editions of the vampire rules word it and spin it a little differently. So you may want to check whatever system you're running on. But at least under the V20 edition, Tremere just now are bound to, they're more easily bound to people. It just takes them two drinks to get bound rather than three drinks on three separate nights. Um, And I do say the separate nights, I I underline that because it can't be like, Oh, I gave you three drinks in one night. Now you're bound to me. That's not how that works. It's on three separate nights, three separate occasions. And the Tremere only need two. So this is can be quite problematic because the Tremere are very protective of the members of their house and clan. They don't like the members of their house and clan being bound. In fact, most Tremere are not really keen on the idea of getting bound in the first place because you have to remember who and what the Tremere are. The Tremere, their very motto is, by my will, I will rule. 
Their will is the means by which they are able to shape the world. It's their legacy and heritage as true mages. So it's the idea of having your will being chained or, or controlled by somebody else is abhorrent to a Tremere. They find that just awful. And so the blood bond is usually seen as being something very serious. And it's also seen as something of a punishment. If a Tremere is fully bound to the clan, like not just the one step bound that everyone else is, but they're fully bound to the clan. It's usually as a punishment because that Tremere has screwed up so bad. They cannot be trusted to, to have their own will. Their will has to be bent to that of the clan because they've screwed up that badly. So Tremere usually sees a blood bond as a form of punishment, not like a form of, oh, hey, sexy, sexy times, or hey, this is my commitment to you as my blood brother. No, it is bad. You have done bad, and now you must, you cannot be trusted to be out on your own. That is what a blood bond means to a Tremere. So Tremere are not typically going to be the ones who are going to be out on the town in a city and see that hot Toreador from across the crowded room and say, hey, baby, how about we swap some blood and see where this goes? Like, the Tremere don't find that as an exchange of, of mutual affection. That's not something a Tremere typically would do. That's not to say a Tremere won't do it. <laughs> Under whatever circumstances, the t typical party line, I'll say it this way. The typical party line for Clan Tremere is, blood bonds are bad, don't go do it. I don't care how hot that Toreador is. I don't care what things they're able to do with their fangs. Don't go getting yourself blood bound to some skanky Toreador who's just in it for because they want to get your influences. What little you have as a Tremere. Like... Don't go just spreading it everywhere. You keep that blood bomb for the clan. As you can pretty much tell, and it is because of that. It, it's because they're so protective of their willpower, their free will to do their magical studies, you know, keep your head in the game, essentially. You know, it's, it's Tremere against the world that they would also know more about a blood bond than, say, the average kindred. And because of that study into the bond... Of course, a clan like the Tremere would have created a ritual to dissolve a bond. Because they don't want Tremere, like individual Tremere, they don't want individual Tremere to be bound to anyone who isn't a Tremere. And even if a tribunal says that, hey, your crime was grievous enough, now you have to be fully bound to the clan, I, it may be for a limited time because they still want you to be fully functional once you've served your, your time, essentially. So this, it, or if you did fool around with that hottie Mikati Toreador, they want to make sure that they can free you of that bond. So, yeah, it, it makes sense that they know more about it. They're very protective about it. And, of course, they have a way to do away with it. Yes. Yeah, so even though they have a ritual to dissolve blood bonds, it, it's not like they, they openly advertise that, by the way. No, <laughs> like, no, no. That's the se almost secret of the secrets. Yeah. Like many things with the Tremere... What what happens in House and Clan stays in House and Clan. Um, that said, if you're a character who's like, I got bound by that hottie Toreador. It was I didn't know what I was doing. They were hot. The things they do with their fangs, I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> you know, the Toreador do have a way to fix it for a price. 
I'm loving that. I'm, I'm loving that. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, instead of penthouse, you're gonna fang house. Oh man, don't I? That that probably exists somewhere out there. I'm just saying. You know, I think it does. All right. Well, back to the embracing. Uh, once a new acolyte has been successfully brought across, it, assuming they survive it, because as as we've also noted, that not every mortal who is going to be embraced survives so you know always keep that in mind just just as some flavor for the game um if they survive then they're made to swear the oath of house and clan and once that's done they are given their master to be trained by until such time as they are released from into their traditions um it's think of it essentially as um it is what you think you know there's a reason they call the newly embraced acolytes because they're just learning how things work their their master i mean i don't know jen do they have one master that tries to teach them everything or is there like how to tremere 101 you know because if you're just brought across you swore this oath but you don't know exactly what you swore yeah so often it, well it depends really on how the chantries are set up and the lord and like oh, there's a lot of factors but Mostly it's an acolyte is trained within the chantry of their embracement and basically given like, here are the rules of how to be a vampire without fucking it up. And the time on how long this takes varies because it depends both on the chantry and the acolyte. If the acolyte's a swift learner, they might be able to be released earlier than say, uh, an average acolyte. Uh, but usually training, but is about a year and a day, which is the tradition under uh, Camarilla law of of releasement. It, it can go longer if needs be, but honestly, if there is an acolyte who isn't getting it by the time you get to a year and a day, then chances are they're never going to get it. So you you know by then if they're if they need to be just put out of their misery or not. Certain other um, acolytes may be getting more or additional training depending on why they were embraced. So it, again, it, it varies depending on the acolyte. But the key thing with Clan Tremere that dif- makes it different than most other clans, especially the Ventru, is the fact that the Tremere are not particularly sentimental about the relationship between the sire and the child. Um and it makes sense if you think about it. Tremere were not embraced in the traditional way that every other vampire clan has developed their their own rituals about embracement. So the Tremere often will have one person who embraces somebody, but they're not the person who trains them or raises them or, you know, there's not like, go out to do well, my child, or else you will bring shame upon the family like the Ventru tend to. Childer are often trained by someone else. They're often, sometimes they're even not trained at that chantry at all. They can be sent to a different chantry for training. Um, When a sire is in charge of the child and their training, the relationship is less sire and child. Like, you know, I am your father and you're my, my son or daughter. It's much more that of a master and apprentice. So think like Obi-Wan and Luke. It's the passing on of knowledge from someone who's much more senior in the clan to someone who is going to be up and coming. So the first rule of thumb you always have to think about, though, with your acolytes, those you're training underneath you, is that duty comes first. Duty to the clan 
is paramount and it's not duty to the sire. The clan Tremere, the, the big reason clan Tremere has that kind of structure, that master apprentice rather than sire and child is because it's that idea of it is the clan first and it's not about the individual because a sire who who creates a child and makes it all about them is then risking creating a schism, uh, a, a group of childer who are only loyal to the sire and not loyal to the clan, which that's not what the Tremere want at all. There are particular lines of Tremere that are highly respected. Um, I think, for example, of Merlinda, Counselor Merlinda in North America, her, her bloodline is highly respected. But it's much more, it's less because they're Melinda's particular line. It's because they are a line of Tremere that are highly respected and they're very good blood mages. So if you're from a line of blood mages who have shown exceptional talent or exceptional leadership, then people tend to, to respect that bloodline because it it's not so much about the blood. It's about the people making the judgment calls. Hey, that bloodline tends to pick people who are really good and very talented. So that shows those people have some good judgment uh, in terms of what will benefit the clan. As opposed to this line over here that is embraced eh, about 50-50. Half of them are really good and half of them are kind of like crazy fuck-ups. So I don't know if I would always trust their judgment in terms of bringing someone across. So again, it's it's less about bloodlines per se, like as it is about accomplishments and what have you done for me lately and how have you benefited the clan? Okay, that does clear it up. Uh, once an acolyte is raised, though, then they're given an assignment to a permanent chantry. And I guess at that chantry, they would find their new master because as we've said before, every rank has someone who continues their training that is a rank higher than them. So you start off as your rank one apprentice, you go to this new chantry, the regent's like, hmm, okay, so you can do this X, Y, Z, you know this stuff, um, so-and-so that's rank three over there, he's going to be your new master here. And new embraces are often moved to a variety of different ch chantries, depending on the needs. Um, they could stay in the same chantry that they're embraced in. Maybe they're moved somewhere else. It really just depends. Um, again, Tremere are much more about the whole and not the individual. So they're not particularly precious about where a new embracee goes because you're, f you're a resource. You're a tool. The Tremere are a small clan, but they are pretty widespread and they have chantries all over the world, often in non-Camarilla held areas. So while they're nominally members of the Camarilla, and indeed the code states that they must uphold the Camarilla and its traditions, they have chantries all in all sorts of areas that serve all sorts of purposes, both inside and outside of the Camarilla. All chantries are secret from those who are not members of house and clan, and they all offer a manner of basic protection to those who are inside the chantry. Pretty much in any city, the, the chantry that the Tremere will find there is just your garden variety basic chantry. So these chantries are often the home bases for the Tremere in most every Camarilla city. Uh, often they are innocuous places. Um, sometimes they're places that may have a mystical bent, um, like uh, that like crystal shop that's in the downtown area. Or, hey, look, that's a shop that sells weird esoteric books. That might be a chantry. But sometimes they're not. 
sometimes the the Tremere are like, we don't want to advertise. So it's going to be someplace you'll never think of. Um, they're usually things that humans wouldn't think twice about. Like, again, like a crystal a crystal shop or a bookshop or a library or perhaps even a store or a private residence. These are things that would not particularly draw attention to themselves in the settings they're in. So your most basic chantry is just plain Jane boring. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that the Tremere in any given city would kind of hide in the open because it's like, well, of course, you know, the Tremere would be at a library but people that usually aren't going to be, I don't want to say bookish or nerdy, they're not going to think to keep digging much further than, you know, oh, I want to check out that DVD yeah. from the library or an occult bookshop. You know, anybody that goes in there isn't going to be Joe Schmacatelli off the street. And, you know, everyday citizens are probably going to just avoid it. They're just going to be like, yeah, that's that creepy shop on the corner. And then that's all they think about. So outside of your most basic chantry, you have war chantries. So these chantries are built pretty much as defensible as possible. Think of them as a magical equivalent of a fort. And they're highly protected. So even though they're hidden, even from human view, they have all sorts of magical wards on them, all sorts of protections, um, just in case anyone comes in at any point in time during the day because humans there can be humans who are working for vampires who will try and come in in the middle of the day or even just plain old humans who don't like Tremere who will come in in the middle of the day so they have a just a crap ton of protections on them uh war chantries can include old bunkers um underground laboratories navy ships Anything that's difficult for pretty much anyone to find would be, make a suitable war chantry because the idea is that is the place that is fortified and protected and that's where all the leadership gathers to plan their next strategies or kind of hide out until their next attack. That would be a war chantry. This stands in contrast to a research chantry, which these are areas where the main focus on of that chantry is on esoteric research and occult knowledge. So these are often like uh, hubs for the Tremere to come and do whatever kind of research they need to do. So think of them a bit like a university research center. Um, In fact, some of them are university research centers. Um, They can be anywhere and are usually heavily protected because of the rare information they hold. Um, and because some of the experiments that they have are kind of dangerous. So they don't want just anybody stumbling onto them. Uh, major research chantries can be found in places like New York City and in Vienna. Um, and again, these are all going to be fairly well hidden because you don't want just the average Joe from the street walking in and going, Oops, I found where you're making gargoyles. Oh, crap. You know, you don't want that getting out there. All chantries, though, have some level of protection on them, whether they're basic or or their research. Uh, they usually have both mundane and mystical protections. Um, often they have wards to keep off other vampires and anyone else who might be a threat. Uh, humans uh, in the forms of ghouls and uh, other people and other groups who might be serving as protection for the chantries themselves. So, yeah, Tremere don't mess around when they're saying to the protection of their own personal areas. 
and also to help in the service of those chantries and to keep the lines of communications going. The Tremere have, you typically have a complex network of servants and retainers to help them do their day-to-day jobs, help with specific jobs. They could be anything from, you know, the janitorial staff to lab assistants. They help maintain the chantry. They help everything work. They sort of do some of the uh, bureaucratic behind-the-scenes stuff, bookkeeping, if you will. And they are all bound in some way to service of the Tremere for the greater good. And I think it's the clan itself, right? It's not just a specific chantry. It depends on the situation. So, you know, depending on how, depending on the mortals you're using and how you're using them, it depends on whether they're bound to a particular person in a particular chantry or if they're bound to the entire clan. And some of these servants, like uh, Jen mentioned it before, there are ghouls. The Tremere rely on just basic ghouls a great deal. Often they're either, you know, bound to an individual Tremere and they help maintain their work or their studies. But the chantries can also be assigned ghouls based on need to ensure the upkeep and the protection of that chantry. And sometimes when you need more than just a ghoul, you can get a revenant. So a revenant is a very, it's a very complicated sort of ghoul. Uh, these are actually a legacy from the Shimisei. The Shimisei are the ones who created revenants. And it's basically, they figured out how to create ghouls that were just, they were just born as ghouls. Essentially, they bred ghouls together long enough that they could create whole families of people who were just born with vampiric vitae in their veins, even though they're mortals. So that's a revenant. So revenants uh, come in whole families because it's it's part of the genetic mutation. So you have to keep the bloodlines pure, as it were. And one particular family that once used to serve the Shemisei defected with the Tremere centuries ago. And they're now called the Ducheskis. And the Ducheskis serve House and Clan Tremere. Now, like I said, to maintain that vampiric blood in your family genetic dna you have to breed basically with other revenants so that you keep the bloodlines pure and uh that means that there's a certain amount of inbreeding sometimes involved with revenants um so the the cheskies tend not to be well lookers they're just not they're not handsome people if you've seen some paintings of some of the later habsburgs like the 18, in the 18th century. Yeah, think that. It's not a pretty sight. You know, Mother Nature's just like, no, oh no. <laughs> so uh, so some of the Ducheskis tend to be a little bit inbred. But that said, the Ducheskis are very smart. They're very hardworking. They're tinkerers and engineers by trade. And um, they prove themselves to be very efficient effective research assistants to the Tremere and they can kind of be really surly and rude because you know (laughs) because because Revenant because Revenant they're not high on the looks and not high on the social skills because inbreeding and finally there's the the red caps that they're born from a similar group among the order of Hermes and red caps are just humans that are the messengers of the Tremere and they're very loyal and they're very efficient. They move between counselorships and chantries and they carry out the business of the clan for their masters in much of a same way, I guess, as couriers would. 
Yeah, and they're known because they wear little red caps. Right. Again, Joe Joe Mortal wouldn't think anything of a guy running around back and forth, you know. With an angel's hat. With, right. Oh, oh, that's interesting. That doesn't have to be a specific hat. They're just always red. No, it's just a red hat. So you can have like on an angel's hat or a chief's hat or it's the idea of you're wearing a cap that is red. You can wear just a regular hat that is red. Back in the day, they had a very specific kind of hat that they wore. But nowadays, to keep it more masquerade friendly and a little bit more obscure, you could just be wearing a red hat. And since the, this reference to the red caps is so obscure as far as, I guess, game materials go, the storyteller is free to decide whether or not they'll allow it or not, or even how to utilize them. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those, like, Tremere references that's so super esoteric. Like, you have to dig. You have to dig through some books to find it. And I actually did find it. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if, if anyone wants to know, we can find it for you. I It's just so super esoteric. If a storyteller is like, that doesn't exist. Okay, that's fine. I mean, you don't have to include it. It's just a fun little detail. If you're running a Tremere Chronicle and you're like, okay, I need someone to run a message. How do I get a message somewhere? I can do it, sir. Let me put my red cap on. <laughs> All right, well, Chantries are the heart and soul of the Tremere organization and their leadership because, as you have figured out from listening to the episodes prior to this all the way to now, the Tremere are blood mages. And that, my dear listeners, is where we're going to pick it up next episode with finally getting into some thaumaturgy. Thaum, 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 thaum. Because if you got a problem, you can solve it with thaum. You, you got someone who hates you? You got thaum. You want a venture who's going to try and keep you out of some sort of political office? Fuck him. You got Thom. You know what? <laughs> there is not a problem you can't figure out without with Thom. Thom, it does everything. That's right. Okay, well, thank you all for joining us for this episode. And we look forward to talking to you next time as we dig a little ever deeper into Clan Tremere. My name's John. I'm Jen. All right, and we will talk to you then. Bye. Bye. If you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast by Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast, or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us. You can do that at Podcast by Night at gmail.com.